0: Welcome back to Light of Christ. I'm Jennifer Drowe, Senior Director of Communications for the Diocese of Orlando, and today I'm joined by a very special guest and friend from Tallahassee, Michael Sheedy. Hi, Michael.
1: Hello, Jennifer. Good to be on with you today.
0: So Michael is the Executive Director of the Florida Catholic Conference, and the conference is celebrating its big 50th anniversary this year. Congratulations.
1: Oh, thank you so much. We're, we're excited to be celebrating it. Hard to believe.
0: Let's start with the basics. Of the people who do go to church, some may be involved at the parish level. Fewer might know what's going on at the diocesan level. We're working really hard here at the communications secretariat to change that. So can you briefly explain what exactly the FCC is and how you're advocating for Catholics in our state capital?
1: Sure. You know, the Florida Catholic Conference is comprised, really, of the Bishop of Florida. They are our our directors, and we engage the three branches of state government on their behalf as a nonpartisan public policy arm of the Catholic Bishops of Florida, representing them and the dioceses that they lead. We also have an internal function uh, within the church. We organize an accreditation program for Catholic schools, and we help to coordinate and facilitate disaster relief services across our dioceses um, in the events of hurricanes, storms, and the like. So we have kind of an interesting, unique function, both on the public policy side, which is really organized through what we call the Florida Conference of Bishops, which is a, a subsidiary sort of part of the conference, um, and also the internal work of within the church of convening different folks like accreditation teams uh, from across Florida.
0: So when you say that you try to have audience with the three arms of the government, how do you get them to notice Catholic teaching and, and what Catholics in Florida may be behind as far as policy, bills, et etc.?
1: Oh, sure. Well, you know, we do try to analyze legislation here for its moral dimensions, and, and we draw on the teachings of the Church, uh, the Scriptures, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, just to try to promote the common good. And we do that with a strong team of advocates here who who work at the conference in the areas of uh, respect life, social concerns, education, and health care. And a lot, we organize our work around those themes, Um, and as we do so, we, we review bills, we interact with legislators and their staffs, trying to build relationship to, as Pope Benedict called us to and deus caritas us to lead them to just solutions to those challenges that confront the state. So it's primarily through just our good work and research and drawing on the experience and insights of others within the church to bring those things to folks to help to address the concerns that are being addressed in the legislature.
0: Do you have, over the past 50 years, some public policy successes that the conference helped to facilitate on behalf of the church?
1: Yes, I would say we really have had some good successes um, in promoting the common good and respect for human life and dignity here in Florida. You know, our state does have some kind of significant challenges that are posed by previous Supreme Court rulings on abortion and abortion cases. But we have um, been successful in establishing some really good laws regarding, say, the parental notice of a minor's abortion. And we have prohibited public funding in, of most abortions. And we've also offered service as alternatives to abortion through the Florida Pregnancy Care Network, which we had a really strong hand in, in helping to establish also the Women's Right to Know Act. So in respect for life, we've had a lot of successes despite some also some challenges. We've also uh, seen incremental improvements to our death penalty mechanism that really did draw on a lot of the involvement of, of the bishops in the conference here. We got good end-of-life policies. We are among the national leaders in parental choice and education and establishing scholarship programs so that children can attend the schools that their parents see would be most fitting to address their educational needs. We're very proud of a, of a lot of involvement in a lot of different areas.
0: So let's talk a little bit more. It's the 50th anniversary year. Looking back at the history of the conference, how did it come to be?
1: State Catholic conferences emerged shortly after Vatican II, and they really were an extension of three themes that that emerged in there. And The first is just trying to promote collaboration and collegiality among bishops of a region. So uh, that was one of the impetuses, really, to establish the conference. Along with that was a desire to involve lay people more deeply in the mission of the church, and so. You see Catholic conferences established and more lay involvement through the staffs and the activities of the conference. And also, uh, finally, in in a desire to be more involved in the life of the world around us, to promote the common good, to give that charity that the church owes to, to the world. Uh, to be involved and to be good, faithful citizens and promoting, you know, respect for human life, dignity, and the common good. So really, many conferences emerged immediately after or short after the Second Vatican Council.
0: And Florida has certainly changed over the last 50 years. I mean, the Diocese of Orlando broke off from the Diocese of St. Augustine, and the world is growing and changing at such a fast pace. Any unique changes that you've noticed in the work of the FCC over that time?
1: Uh, I would say so, yes. You know, Florida, as you as you know, it has changed. You know, we're now the third most popular state behind Texas and California with about 21 million residents. We are increasingly multicultural and multilingual. There are a lot of places in Florida you can go where you might only hear Spanish spoken or neighborhoods where there's only Creole spoken. And so I would say it's also notable that our growth is not just among Hispanics, but really from across the United States and across the world that's really an interesting thing. I think people lose sight of about our our wonderful state. I think we also, you know, are increasingly aware of just the important uh, environmental that are pressing upon our leadership in Florida. You know, we've seen red tide, algae blooms, our waterways, our beaches are affected by some of these problems, and certainly our economy, our tourism, but also just the beauty and the quality of life that we enjoy in Florida are at risk if we're not able to address some of those things. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, Pope Francis has really uh, invited to focus a lot more on our environmental stewardship and I think that we're seeing a renewal in that very same interest uh, in that topic at least uh, on Governor DeSantis's part and within our legislature. While we're an interestingly mixed state politically, um, you know, almost equal numbers of Republicans and I think Democrats slightly outnumber Republicans uh, in our general population Um, and and we kind of might get a sense that there's a lot of uh, a wide partisan divide because that's what you see in the media so much but I think that We have the pleasure and the privilege of getting to talk to members, and yes, there are some uh, strong partisan influences in a political process, but I think in general in our society, people are not so much married to, fully married, I would say, to one party's platform. Although you hear about those platforms, people are more thoughtful. Well, there may be some allegiance to one or the other. Uh, I think thoughtful folks, more reasonable folks are are happy to hear that things aren't quite as simple or quite as as nasty as they need to be. And so there's a lot of hope for, you know, keeping people involved and politics and promoting civil discourse. And we're pleased to do that here at the conference and try to do it that way and try to give people the tools to also do it the same way.
0: I'm constantly blown away by getting to work at the chancery, getting to spend time with prayerful people, priests, sisters, religious. Bishop Noonan will stop by the office and say hello. I think it's amazing. What is it like when you sit down in a room with all seven bishops from across the state to talk about these issues?
1: Yeah, well, they're obviously highly accomplished respectable men who are in those roles because they're capable of fulfilling them and that's the one thing that you notice that they're they're really outstanding individuals uh, first but they also uh, do really strive and work hard to be very collegial and to work together and to respect one another and it's It's been really very interesting to see how they do that, how they do work together and talk through different things and raise different concerns. And, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in consulting a group such as them and doing it in a way that's really productive and looking out for the good just to do the right thing for the right reasons. And it's a great privilege to see them do that and certainly a good responsibility that I feel to make sure they're getting the best information that they can to work with the staff here and to give us direction and to assist them. And trying to promote the flourishing of all of our great state.
0: Someone told me that the conference has had only three executive directors, including yourself, over the past 50 years. That's some loyalty and dedication right there, Michael.
1: (laughs) I suppose it is. (laughs) I will say uh, we have a great privilege here, um, as well as responsibility on behalf of the bishops and the church uh, here. And I think that we recognize uh, that it's a unique role. And I know that Tom Horkin, the founding director, attorney from Miami who came to Tallahassee with that experience of having been an attorney practicing in a small firm. And and a courtroom is very different than, say, the legislature, but uh, a lot of the knowledge that Tom gleaned uh, really helped to serve very well in establishing the conference and developing positions and giving us a platform from which to work. Mike McCarran came along next. He had worked here for many years uh, as the Associate for Education and helped to really establish our accreditation program on strong footing. And uh, he had great gifts for organization and strong interpersonal skills. And, you know, the conference really did continue to grow and flourish uh, in his leadership. Honestly, I had the great privilege of knowing both of them and at different times working for both of them, never knowing I would eventually you know, become the executive director here. But I would say their gifts, their involvement in this work, I've certainly shaped the way that I've tried to do it. It's a wonderful work if you can get it. It certainly has its challenges, but as, as you might imagine, being involved in the life of the church, having the privilege of working for and among our bishops, it's a great privilege, I'll say.
0: So when did you step into that role and what was your previous life like?
1: Sure. Well, I became the, the director a little over five years ago when Mike McCarran stepped down. You know, when I finished college many years ago, I sort of started off as uh, an IT professional in sort of a corporate entry-level position. And as my faith life deepened and it was renewed, I felt a calling to uh, something different that brought me back to to Florida as a lay volunteer in mission with Catholic volunteers in Florida. And I ended up spending a year as a lay volunteer at the Florida Catholic Conference. And I was the assistant for health. I worked for Tom Horkin, and he is somebody that I had known growing up through our parish. I didn't really know what the conference was and what they did, but I did have the privilege of working with him and getting a view to how the church was working through the conference in the legislative process, dealing with state agencies and the governor's office and occasionally with the courts prior to entering the seminary. You know, my experience at the conference gave me a deep hunger to know more about the church and what we taught and what we did. I was enriched by that experience of theology. Obviously, I was not ordained a priest, but as I finished up my theology studies, I worked for a while in healthcare as a hospital chaplain and became involved in healthcare administration. and ended up pursuing further studies in healthcare administration and taking on different roles in Catholic healthcare, which included governmental relations. Eventually, in the early 2000s, there was a growing need that was identified among the leaders of Florida's Catholic healthcare entities and their sponsoring congregations for someone to be looking out for them in the legislative process and at the conference. So I came to the conference in 2002 as the Associate for Health, and so I became the health policy person there.
0: I think a lot of people find somewhere in their life, working in the church as we do, that, you know, we're in other places on our journey and God kind of taps us on the shoulder and says, okay, now it's time for you to come work for me. And I <laughs> and I love hearing people's stories like that. Well, I will
1: say I never would have, you know, set out to to do this work or to be the director. But I will say, looking back over my shoulder, I do feel like a good path was led to form me and prepare me for this work at this time. It's a little bit rare for somebody in Tallahassee, Florida, who has an interest in Catholic theology and Catholic health care, to be able to find a job that encapsulates both those things into a full-time job, to be able to do what I'm doing and be around family and friends in the community where I've grown up. And it's definitely been a blessing, I would say, looking back over my shoulder. Didn't know where I was going a lot of the time, but uh, I'm thankful to be where I am. I am, for sure.
0: So with recent elections and the change of the governor, a new attorney general, are you making inroads there with the new people in power in Tallahassee? Yeah,
1: you know, I'd say that we are. We have, you know, some of the folks who are working in, say, the governor's administration are folks that we'd worked with before. Uh, his chief of staff is, is Shane Strum, and we had done some work with him when he worked for Charlie Crist in the same capacity. One of his directors of... On this staff there, Diane Moulton has been around for a couple of decades, and we do have some good relationship with her. Also, as Director of Policy is somebody that we've worked with who worked in the Senate. So we do know a lot of those folks and have some good relationship with them, and we're looking to build on those relationships to uh, work with the governor, of course, to help to promote flourishing here in Florida. It is a time of transition. We've got, yes, new governors, new, new leadership in the legislature and in the cabinet. You know, we're we're pleased. You know, we've been having meetings, scheduling meetings with a number of their key staffers and and working things through.
0: Looking ahead this year, what are some of the top public policy issues and concerns on the radar for Florida Catholics and our bishops? Especially in the defense of human life. It's a hot topic right now across the nation.
1: Yeah, it sure is. We've seen some unfortunate things unfold in New York State, and I do think we have had several bills filed that relate to abortion and might uh, help to promote more parental involvement in abortion for their minor children. So we have some parental consent requirements that are being proposed and that will be considered in the legislature. Those could have some repercussions uh, in our court system, we'll, we'll wait to see. But it's obviously certainly important to have parents involved in health care decisions for their children. Whether you're going to consider abortion health care or not, they should certainly have a role in such an important decision that has the potential to affect them not only physically but mentally, spiritually, emotionally as they go forward. So we do, we do expect to see some activity related to limiting and involving parents more in a minor's abortion. That's going to be a big issue this year, and I think that some of the attention that will be on is because of bad things happening in other states. But beyond abortion, we do in the education realm promote a strong system of public schools and also parental empowerment to choose the best schools that fit the needs of their children. And there are some proposals that would expand the parental choice. We have some outstanding programs here in Florida. In fact, I mentioned earlier that we lead the nation in many ways in providing options for parents to to ensure their kids are getting a good education, but they're somewhat limited, and there are some proposals to expand those choices and those options for more children, and we'll be involved in supporting those as well. Another concern is certainly somewhat related to immigration and perhaps uh, misunderstandings of the current state of the law with respect to, say, sanctuary, so-called sanctuary cities, which obviously get the attention of religious folks like Catholics who who know what a sanctuary is, but perhaps not with respect to uh, immigration law. So there is a lot of... You know, interest in this topic at the federal level, which is really its appropriate level. The courts have recognized, really, it's the federal government's role to provide our immigration policy but uh, and not really to have a patchwork sort of state system that's going to differ by state. But uh, we are trying to shed light on the current state of things. Uh, well, we urge state legislators to allow the federal government and the federal, really, Congress and, and the U.S. Senate to work through reforms that are more comprehensive, that address the big picture, not just you know, say, border security and not just uh, increasing visas, but doing all those things so that we also are addressing the concerns that prompt people to want to migrate and that kind of thing. So uh, we're hopeful to do that as well.
0: Michael, Catholic days at the Capitol are coming up right around the corner. How can lay people get involved?
1: Sure. Well, March 26th and 27th, we are hosting Catholic Days at the Capitol in Tallahassee. We've done this for many, many years. Uh, We're very proud of it. It's one of our signature events each year. We typically have around 300 people coming together from our seven dioceses across Florida. We try to give them a good overview as to what's happening in Tallahassee the first afternoon and evening to prepare them well to meet with their legislators, their elected officials, the following day. And they do gather. We gather for a luncheon. This year, we're going to be recognizing former Justice, of the Florida Supreme Court, Raul Cantero, who will be receiving the Thomas A. Horkin Distinguished Catholic Leader Award this year, and he will be addressing our group as well. And then we also celebrate the Red Mass of the Holy Spirit. So it's a good two-day event. Folks typically leave and return home on the third day, which will be the 28th this year. One of the things that we like to try to do is to provide opportunities for Catholics to live out their call to faithful citizenship, to be responsible. Catholic Christians in the Public Square. This is one of the ways that we do it. Uh, people can do it by checking out our website and checking out their diocesan uh, Catholic Days coordinators. We do have uh, a website that's uh, FLACCB for uh, three-letter Florida and then the Conference of conferenceofcatholicships.org website. And on the main menu, there's a lot of information about it. Uh, we've got outstanding coordinators. We have had wonderful participation over the years from the Councils of Catholic Women and the Knights of Columbus, this year we've got a growing contingent of students, uh, high school students, who will be coming, looks like, probably around 70 high school students. You know, they are the present of our church and also the future leaders of our church, and so we're excited to welcome them as well as we prepare for those Catholic days.
0: So these high schoolers that come, do they actually meet with policymakers, or are they watching and learning as the future of the church?
1: Well, they do a bit of both. Um, You know, it really tends to vary, but, you know, each Catholic Days coordinator works with their team to try to set meetings for their participants with their officials or their staffs. So the students will be joining in those meetings, which we think is a great experience for them because really uh, so much of politics, like everything in life, gets down to relationship. And those are the kind of things that do move policymakers. They have someone real to talk to who's living in their district who has a concern. And please God is shedding light on how best to to solve a problem. So uh, we're looking forward to having them there. But they will be participating in in meetings with members or their staffs, along with all the participants from Catholic Days.
0: So in a little bit down the road, the FCCB also supports the State Respect Life Conference. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and where and when it's going to be held this year? Uh,
1: you bet. Well, Jennifer, this year, in 2019, the Florida Respect Life Conference will be held in the Diocese of St. Augustine. It'll be Friday, October the 11th, and Saturday, October the 12th. It'll be exciting to be back in St. Augustine, which is, you know, the home of our first actual diocese here in Florida, our oldest city, and really in the United States, in a special place uh, where, they, where they celebrate Our Lady of La Leche, a great patroness of motherhood and the relationship between mothers and children. I will say that one of the neat Things about that conference, and I think that you know you will be hearing more about it as probably a culture of life conference because really we're recognizing the importance of respect for life and how respect for life at every phase of development from beginning to end and in between is so important that the conference really does incorporate a range of topics, not just exactly what you might think of as the traditional life issues of abortion and the end of life. Although those are certainly parts of it, we do have a a wide range of things that I think would be interest to most Catholics, really. You can find something for sure to get into and and participate in and hear about and learn about so that as we go about our lives and our families and our communities, we're well-informed and we've been able to be recharged and hear fresh insights and to be motivated by excellent speakers who cover the range of topics at these conferences
0: this conference is open to anyone in the state who might wish to attend, yes?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Okay, how much time do you spend in Tallahassee, Michael? Are you on the road a lot meeting with the bishops in different areas of Florida?
1: Well, most of my time is in Tallahassee. It's certainly our base. The bishops do come together quarterly for at least a day, sometimes two or three days together, and I typically meet with them three of those four times to address the policy issues, the public policy concerns, and they do gather together uh, once a year just to deal with some of their own Episcopal responsibilities and that kind of things, to deal with things without me. I do travel for different meetings of, say, the Catholic Charities leaders in Florida. They meet quarterly, and I try to participate in those. The school superintendents, they form what we call the school's executive committee. We have a diocesan attorney's meeting a couple times a year, and I'm very pleased to attend those meetings with those folks. So there is a bit of travel, and I do get to see a good bit of Florida. And I'm also uh, able to participate as a consultant to one of the U.S. Bishops' Conference uh, Committees, the Committee on Migration and Refugee Services, which entails a little bit of travel, say, to Washington or wherever else the committee might be meeting. State Catholic conference structures also gather together a couple of times a year. So I do get to travel, which is probably normal for somebody in a in a role like this, but it's not overly burdensome. I'm thankful to be able to try to I would spend most nights at home in my own bed, which is really <laughs> good.
0: Right. So how can yeah. Catholics stay connected with the conference, be informed of the work that you're doing, issues of concerns? Do you have e-newsletters, things like that?
1: Yeah, we sure do. In fact, uh, we've got. I think it's 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 really getting a lot of uh, recognition uh, from other different agencies about just the quality of it. But we do have an electronic newsletter. It's distributed through the Florida Catholic Advocacy Network. People are able to uh, from our website join it. They can also join our network rather simply by just texting. FLCAN or FLCAN to 50457 or by enrolling in our network uh, through our website. FLA, a three letter Florida abbreviation, CCB, Conference of Catholic Bishops.org.
0: Can we find you guys on social media?
1: You sure can. Uh, we've got a Twitter account, we've got a Facebook account. Those are the main platforms that we're utilizing today. Uh, we're glad to have followers and folks who are retweeting our stuff all the time.
0: Wonderful. Well, this is all very interesting to me. I, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but I'm sure you have more work to do up there in Tallahassee, especially we have some sessions coming up soon. Yes.
1: You know, the legislative session is officially underway as of March the 5th and in the weeks preceding uh, the session. There were, there's there been a lot of work already done as the committees have met. They've been in Tallahassee for every other week and sometimes a couple weeks in a row. So we feel like we're in the middle of it, but it's officially underway. We uh, look forward to it coinciding with Lent. I will say that uh, it does engage our staff and myself in, in, a, in a deeper way. It's very wonderful to uh, be able to, to offer up any challenges uh, in the season of Lent. So uh, we're underway. We hope to help lead these folks to good solutions to the challenges that confront our state and to join with them in promoting the flourishing of, of all of our great state of Florida.
0: So, Michael, then we'll let you get back to it. We're so glad that you joined us today on Light of Christ, and and we'll have you back anytime you'd like to come and talk about the issues that you guys are trying to tackle there in Tallahassee. All
1: right, Jennifer, I thank you so much. Thank you and all your listeners. Um, I'm grateful to share what we're doing and, and look forward to working with you too.
0: And thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We wish you all some peace, love, and joy.